Welcome to Fintech Impact. This podcast is an exploration of the financial technology world, interviewing different fintech entrepreneurs about what they do, their story, and what their impact is on consumers, incumbents, and the industry as a whole. Here's your host, award-winning financial planner, university lecturer, and writer, Jason Pereira. Hello and welcome to Fintech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, you'll have to excuse me, I have a hoarse voice, lost my voice a couple days ago, but luckily got it back just in time to meet with today's guest. Today's guest is Andrei Polyokov, CEO of Coinberry. Coinberry tells themselves to be one of the easiest ways to buy cryptocurrency on the internet. And with that, here's my interview with Andre. Hello, Andre. Hello. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. So Andre Polyakov of Coinberry, tell us about Coinberry. Sure. So uh, Coinberry was born out of an idea to solve a few problems that existed in the crypto space about a year and a half to two years ago. Mainly, the, one of the biggest problems is a huge barrier to entry for the mass uh, adoption of cryptocurrency as we saw it. We truly believe in the technology and blockchain technology and its application when it comes to finances and currencies in general. But for a, a, you know, a, a layman, an individual that is not sort of a crypto nerd like we are to actually get into the space and acquire their first cryptocurrency, the, the barriers were just, just huge. And uh, whether it was uh, from, from the perspective of usability, from the perspective of service uh, you know, turnaround time, we live in 2018 and uh, people are accustomed to uh, very, uh, you know, the quick, the, the here and the now. And so when they're not able Thanks to, to Amazon, yep. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> And when they're not able to uh, participate in, uh, you know, in, in this in this sort of ecosystem easily, then they just fall to the sideways. Mm-hmm. And what we believe in is that cryptocurrency is and blockchain, but cryptocurrency specifically is here to stay. We believe in the future of cryptocurrency, and one of the best ways to to bring this future closer to the now is to provide a way for people to actually participate in this um, ecosystem as easily as possible, as seamlessly as possible, from the comfort of their of their cell phones. Um, and that's something that we, you know, we, we strive to achieve. So the, you know, kind of a overarching philosophy that we have at Coinberry. Coinberry in and itself at the current time is a platform where users can buy and sell uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum, two of the main cryptocurrencies that are available in the market. But we have uh, quite ambitious goals ranging for the expansion in Canada and then uh, thereafter internationally to becoming a full-blown um, cryptocurrency financial institution offering cryptocurrency services. Uh, not just from the buy and sell side of, uh, you know, on the retail end, but on the institutional end as well. And bringing cryptocurrencies into the into the mainstream for Canadians and, and abroad. Okay. So, great. That was a good introduction. And let's talk about basically your history and how you came to start Coinberry. My personal history. So, I'm a bit of a, of a techie by... Uh, I'm actually I'm quite a big techie by, uh, by background. You're, you're so, a CEO of tech company, of a yeah. blockchain. You're, you're not someone who went to school for, you know, library studies. Exactly. So I actually did go to school for um, electrical engineering. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nailed studies. it. No. Exactly. Uh, no, actually, I finished uh, UFT. I did uh, electrical engineering at UFT. Mm-hmm. Worked in the, system, in, in the field of sort of systems and algorithm design for a couple of years after that. Then wanted to branch out more into sort of the business sector and uh, went back to school and got my MBA at Schulich at oh, York University. what year? <laughs> I graduated in 2010. Okay, it's just missed you. Yeah. Well, literally yeah. by two years. Were you there? Yeah, I was there. Until 2008? 2008, 2008. Doing your MBA? Doing my MBA. You were probably there with my sister. I was with your sister. Well, yeah, my sister. Okay, we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll talk about that offline. Yeah, we'll offline. So that's yeah. an endorsement for Schulich. Okay, so <laughs> yes. we, go, we, go, we go big places when we're done. Exactly. Um, 
It's actually funny enough. I'm I, uh, talking about Shulik. I actually got in touch with him recently, and we were thinking of uh, uh, of establishing sort of a, a bursary by Coinberry at the, at the school. Um, Interesting to sort of um, you know just uh, empower students to learn more about blockchain and cryptocurrency. Well, I so, teach there, so we can talk about that afterwards. Oh, too. really? There? Oh, all right. Great. great. <laughs> so um, Shulik keeps on getting plugs here. Exactly. I'm going to call the dean yeah. and ask for plug for for, <laughs> for yeah, exactly. Okay. Excellent. So I did that, and then uh, after I left Shulik, I uh, actually ended up moving out to Montreal. I was newly married and decided to leave the city. Uh, leave the city and. Uh, Mm-hmm. Ended up living in Montreal for a couple of years. Uh, worked a number of uh, corporate uh, jobs there, and um, had businesses that I was, you know, involved in, and, and, and startups that I was involved in uh, at the side. Ended up actually, funny enough, ended up leaving one of my um, corporate jobs, going into the startup space. Didn't quite work out for macroeconomic reasons. It's when, a startup; they don't all work out. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> ended up going back into the corporate world, yeah. and uh, in the meantime. Uh, Cryptocurrencies, the whole blockchain technology was was of great interest to me, and I was always sort of like you know reading and, and trying to participate in the space, and I couldn't find any easy any easy mediums. And um, a friend of mine, and uh, you know from from childhood days, and another co-founder of the company, Evan Kuhn, approached me, and and um, and funny enough, so the actual funny the, the actual. Beginning of Coinberry happened during a bachelor trip. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, it's, that, that is a true story. Okay, so it was born in Vegas. Let's go. Okay, so no, it was actually yeah. in Florida. So funny okay. enough, we were down there, a bunch of guys uh, from different parts of the world, all there for bachelor trip. And at the end of the trip, we had to settle our tabs. You know, mm-hmm. whatever. The problem was that we had people from the U.S., we had people from mm-hmm. Canada, people from Europe, and there was no easy way to really settle our tabs. Yeah. So we were on the beach in, in Miami, uh, you know, the last day of the trip. And, and so my friend Evan said, why don't we do it with Bitcoin? So we all, you know, we all got our first wallets. Uh, you know, I got my bread wallet and um, tried to sign up. And there was a bit of like, there was, there was a lot of friction there to actually get the coin. Exactly, to get the first coin. So um, anyway, we didn't actually end up settling in Bitcoin that time. But that <laughs> idea, yeah. there's this new technology that's but you, available. Here, here we go. Exactly. Even someone as tech savvy as yourself mm. gave up, right? And I actually, you know, a little known story. I actually, very first year of Bitcoin's existence, I was put on it by a friend, looked into it. Didn't look into it enough, unfortunately. I didn't quite spend enough time on it, but looked into, okay, how do I get this thing working to mine? And I just gave up, right? Exactly. And it was, you know, much to my chagrin, because that would have been nice at tw- almost 20,000, but you know, whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so again, the, the problem, you're absolutely right, is that there's a certain point at which the complexity reaches a point where we all give up. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But the concept itself, the ability to really have a, a medium of exchange that is not bound by, by country or by uh, certain um, you know, geographical regions, that idea really stuck with me. And so a couple of months later, we kept talking about it with, with my friend. We said, hey, let's do something about it. You know, there's, there's real potential in the application of this technology as it pertains to currencies, but there's a huge barrier to entry. It's too complex, it's too early. It's, it's as with any technology, the early adopters, yes, you know, they went through the pain, they got past the sort of the hurdles to get to get into the space. But unless we solve some of the problems that exist, this is never gonna take off big. Mm-hmm. And so we started Coinberry, um, and this was in July of uh, 2017. So doesn't sound like a long time ago, but in, in crypto years. That is uh, ancient. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Years, yeah. That, that's, that's a long time to yeah. be around. So that's sort of how I came um, to participate in this space and uh, how I came to, to, uh, Excellent. to, to sort of coin. So I first actually came across you guys because I was at, I think it was a TechTO conference, and I got this little poker chip that entitled me to like $25 worth of free crypto. So Great. I'm very thankful to you for that because that was nice. Although I wish I had waited a little while to cash it in. Uh, <laughs> 
So um, basically, let's let's go over. So you trade, you said Ethereum and Bitcoin. Yeah. So right now we focus on two main cryptocurrencies, yeah. which is uh, which are Bitcoin and uh, Ethereum, and uh, we actually trade Ether. The, mm, okay, the, the fair correct. Enough. The correct term, term is, is Ether. Ether. Correct. Yes. But. Uh, but yeah, the, basically the clockal term is Ethereum. So we do trade those two right now. And again, our whole approach and what our value add, what we try to bring to the table, we're not an exchange. We don't try to compete with exchanges. We don't try to bring people, you know, technical analysis and charting tools. Mm -hmm. There are exchanges that exist that do that very well. Yes. What we want to do is provide the best on-ramp and off-ramp into the crypto world. Because until those bridges are built between the fiat world and the crypto world, and until those bridges are seamless, this is never going to. So, take end of the day, the, re the way you look at it is the, the exchanges are the kind of institutional level, mm -hmm. and you are the retail. Exactly. Okay. Um, there are a lot of retail players on exchanges. Yes. But part of that is also, I mean, I will call them sophisticated retail players. Yes. Right. Yes. You yes. know, you look at the, you know, your your mom if she ever buys one of these things is not going to go onto an exchange to do that. Probably not. Yeah. Probably not. Exactly. Yeah, but that, that's the thing, and and so so people, you know, our customers, they quite often they they buy their coin with us and then they do take it off and trade it on exchanges and we're perfectly fine with that mm -hmm. because that's as i said there's exchange there you know there are platforms out there that are very well built mm -hmm. to handle exchange uh, businesses again though when those people are ready to exit the crypto market back into the fear world we're there again to provide that really robust easy to use quick service level bridge for them yeah so and then that's sort of like where we sit very comfortably excellent so a couple of things to go over here. So first off, I'm going to talk about this because it just so happens to be the day, your timely, your timely arrival for this <laughs> one. I'm looking at a Bitcoin price of 4361 right now. So US, um, US dollars, yeah. so quite the tumble. Let's talk about how we'll call the crypto apocalypse, for lack of a better term, has basically impacted your company thus far. Well, first of all, just to mention, if you look back at the history um, in the historical price of Bitcoin, it's gone up and down percentage-wise, much more than it has over the, over this year. Even. Mm -hmm. yep. I mean, you know, if you go back a couple of years, I, I think it went from a yeah. dollar to 17 cents. And then, uh, you the know. The big difference is the media. Yes, of course, yeah. of course. So we are actually, our company in and itself, the business model is such that we're not exposed to market price volatility because we don't hold any assets ourselves. Mm -hmm. We buy and we sell on behalf of our, of our clients. So as with any brokerage model, the more volatility that exists, the better it is for for business. So, um, you know, before we started the the podcast, I mentioned that you know the mm -hmm. last couple of days have been our best days so far. And funny enough, you would expect that with Bitcoin prices falling, people would be selling, but they're not. Whatever happens with Bitcoin, at least what we see on the platform, yeah. people buy. Yes, people sell when it falls. Yeah, but I'm one of those people buy. too because you know, yeah. it was you know. You know, if you're if you're going to again speculate in this, mm. hopefully it was an amount you can afford to speculate mm -hmm. with. And in which case, if it's down to this stage, and hopefully you're probably not panicking, but that's all in theory. We'll see mm. how that works. So I mean, I'm not surprised that volatility has led to more trading because that's basically there's a well-known correlation there. Now you you say you trade you trade two currencies. What's the driving decision behind staying to those two, or are you looking to expand more? Is it simply the volumes or rate of adoption? Yeah, no. There's there's a couple of reasons. The main one is. When we founded the company, Bitcoin had a very interesting use case application. And I'm talking about Silk Road and all those, you know, all those gray and <laughs> you black know, you, area. You, could have, you know, you didn't do it, but you could have said it with air quotes yeah, in front of me. Right? Exactly. Like interesting application. <laughs> Yes. But you know what? It's like any new technology, if you actually look at it. The criminals use it first. Criminals and <laughs> certain adult industries are the first to, to, certain to, adult, uh, yeah, well, uh, to start using thanks it. Thanks to them, we have high-speed internet. So. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and we have online uh, actual, uh, I think, online payments as well. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's, 
<laughs> exactly. But so case in uh, point, they're the earliest of adopters. I love just it. by nature of their business models. <laughs> yeah. Not the criminals. I'm not. I'm not oh, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah, models, it's, 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 I laugh. It's such a true statement because it's why VHS beat Betamax. It's yeah. why it's why Blu-ray beat out uh, HD DVD. It's it's why when the reasons for proliferation of high-speed internet and then you said online. I wasn't aware of online payment, but it makes perfect sense. And you know yeah. what? Something's got to lead the way, and so be it. <laughs> and it's usually the people that are, you know, the least risk averse that do. So this is true. Um, so case in point, when we started the company, we, we thought we had a decision and, and, and we decided that we would do everything above board. We would not even get close to anything gray zone. We got the company registered with, with FinTrack before, you know, we were required to. We approached our financial institution partners. And at a time when people were opening basically accounts, you know, under, yeah. and, and, this time with quotation marks. Under uh, you know left and right uh, names, the yeah name exactly yeah so oh so you're not an anarchist good to know okay yeah <laughs> <laughs> so no so well uh, yeah so 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 our approach was to do everything by the book and legally and so that which brings me to the point of Bitcoin Ethereum mm -hmm. so various discussions that we have had lead us to an understanding where Bitcoin Ethereum may not be considered securities uh, I don't want to. I'm not a financial yeah, advisor. I'm not giving any financial let, advice. Yeah. Well, let, let's touch that one with the hot topic. No, that's 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 a hot topic. But yes, exactly. That's fair enough. So, whereas everything else could slash would, mm -hmm. in trying to be a very responsible player in this space, we have made a decision to not list and offer other coins other than the two that we felt very comfortable mm -hmm. with not being labeled as you know securities. So that is why we have made a decision to only have those two coins. And when I say Bitcoin, Ethereum, you know, alongside that, I obviously mean Bitcoin, um, you know, Litecoin, Ethereum Classic. Yeah, the, the, the offshoots. Ones, the yeah. offshoots, exactly. The forks. But to answer your question, that is the reason why we decided to, uh, to stay Fair with enough. those. Makes perfect sense. Great. So in general, what was your reception? I mean, and, uh, you guys have been around for a little while now. Mm -hmm. So can you share any stats with me on number of users or anything like that? Yeah. So, I mean, the first, um, I would say the first nine months of our existence, we worked on our, on our platform and our uh, tech. Mm -hmm. And then we we really you know we opened it to family and friends sort of in November and that that did really well because obviously November December last year, you know Bitcoin was going through the roof everybody was trying to get their hands on on Bitcoin so we did really well when we launched our MVP and so when January came around there was a bit of a of a lull of it and we we really took a step back and we, and we thought you know there's some potential in what we're doing, we put a team in place we moved offices we started working on actual production. Um, you know, scalable software. And then we ended up launching the final version that, you know, you kind of see now in May of this year. Mm -hmm. So from May until now, I can, I can tell you that our, our growth has been just exponential. We've had really good reception of our platform, the ease of use, a lot of positive feedback from users about how absolutely easy it is to, to use our platform. And I was really happy like to hear that personally, because that's what, that's what we were focusing on. I mean, you. Uh, there's. I mean, besides the barrier to entry of, of friction, I mean, you mm -hmm. have other, you know, security concerns. Every time, every time someone gets one of these exchanges gets robbed, mm -hmm. or any kind of um, any kind of non-single hardware wallet gets robbed. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's very difficult. Can you speak to what steps you've taken on the security side in order to? to yeah, absolutely. Up? So one thing we do for you know off the bat is we hold 100% of the crypto assets that we hold on behalf of our clients in cold storage. So everything is off-chain. So for those of you at home who didn't listen to the previous crypto ones, that means they're printing up paperwork with the keys and hiding the paper, which I always, again, I love it. I love the fact that basically the most sophisticated currency or one of the most sophisticated technical things ever created relies on paper for backups. It's awesome. I need to correct you there. You're not using you're not doing decal storage? No, well, okay, it doesn't have to be paper. It, like, it doesn't have to be. Cold storage doesn't have to be paper. It, it can be encrypted, uh, you know, 
USB keys. This as is well. true. This it, is it true. Although I'm more amused by the paper key. side of it. Yeah, I mean, I've heard um, all kinds of crazy stories like USB keys put in bags and then like covered in like random nail polish, so you can tell if someone's actually broken open that yeah, bag. There's, there's a lot going yeah, on. Yeah. yeah. Um, so what's your method of cold storage of, of preference? Well, okay, I'm not going to go into. <laughs> okay, into fair enough. Okay, I'll give you the secret. Well, we keep it at this address. No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But what we do is we definitely hold all of the assets. On behalf that we did, we hold on behalf of our clients in in cold storage, and then what we actually have that we're trading with is actually the company's float. Mm. So that's our way, among many others, to make sure that if anything were to happen, you know, if we we're ever to get hacked, the assets themselves are secure. Excellent. So you basically be doing it long enough that you can keep a confident exactly. level of float. You probably have some cash backing it up just in case, exactly. which you secure the coins that you're basically doing it by. Exactly. That's uh, that's that's not a bad race. So there's no Mt. Gox uh, break in for you guys. That that's uh, <laughs> that's exactly. what it comes down to. Excellent. It's funny enough, man. They're still going at it. They're still on oh, the yeah. lawsuit? Yeah, oh, I know. Yeah. It still hasn't been settled. And they, no. I think they definitely found that there's been some fraud in terms of theft and, oh, geez, like threat by the people involved. Funny enough, though, at this point in time, though, prices have come down so so much that I think at a certain point they'll just take, because in the, you know, yeah. most of the problem was they wanted to pay them out in, not in coin, but in, 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 in dollars. yen or whatever, dollars yeah. from 2000, whatever, for 15, yeah, whatever, whatever, whatever happened. happened, prices. <laughs> We're getting to a point soon where they may start accepting that. Uh, yeah, they're like, I'll take yeah. one cent on a dollar. Mm. But uh, yeah, not quite. So uh, you mentioned potential for international expansion. So sure. is that what's what's that look like in the cards for you in the next little while? Yeah. So the reason that um, we actually started really, really looking at this is uh, we had a, a campaign that that went viral, and the campaign was that another point of just an example of our approach to things. So even right now, most crypto platforms out there, I would say probably all of them except us, you bring. Thousand dollars on a platform, they dock off a couple percent. Yep, just for the deposit. Bat, yep, just for deposit. So you're starting in the negative right away. Yep, and then you, you know, you sell, you want to take your money off again, they dock off a couple percent. That to me is not the right way to work with users, to work with clients, to work on the adoption of this medium. And you know, well, you don't want people be feeling that they're behind the eight ball when you exactly, involved. exactly. So, what we decided to do is to remove all funding. And withdrawal fees. If you bring a thousand dollars on the platform, you have a thousand dollars to play with. You sell your coin and you have whatever fifteen hundred. You have fifteen hundred to take off the platform. So we we announced this initiative in uh, July and it went viral. We had a little marketing campaign and it went viral internationally, which was really exciting for us. And we had over one hundred and thirty thousand users that tried to sign up on the platform internationally outside of Canada. Over the course of how many days? Over like two weeks, it was it was it was pretty yeah it was pretty <laughs> impressive. That's a lot of people upset they couldn't open an account. Exactly. So wow. so what we realized right now we're only available in Canada. Yeah. Um, again, because we're still rather a small team, we're still growing into mm-hmm. being in a place where we want to actually go outside. But there's we definitely know that there's a huge demand for our level of attention to detail and attention to our customers' needs outside of Canada. So. We are looking at a few different markets, I don't go into detail, but a few different markets to sort of do a couple pilots in the new year. We're, we're talking with an exchange to potentially partner up with, again, a licensed exchange. Mm-hmm. And we do look for partners that are at our level in terms of respects appreciation and, and, you know, with respect to regulation, being licensed and doing everything by the book. So we are in talks and um, we haven't decided if we're going to do it alone or through partnership, but... It's definitely something that is is on our uh, is on our roadmap uh, in the new year. Excellent. So then, if you're not charging for deposit or withdrawal, which again is a unique value proposition, you're charging on transaction. Then, can you care to explain how that works for everybody? Sure, absolutely. So at the end of the day, what we offer is uh, our sort of claim to fame above and beyond what I've mentioned to date is we have a backend algorithm that plugs into a number of exchanges, and we parse those exchanges in real time 
so that when a user executes a trade on our platform, we're able to bring them best optimal pricing, whether they're buying or they're selling. So kind of like Expedia brings yep. you no, the best you're pricing. You're an aggregator. Exactly. So yeah. we're an aggregator. So um, we, are, you know, we charge a small spread on the trade that we execute, but taking into account the fact that we're able to get best pricing, nine out of 10 yeah. times we will beat out competition in Canada with our spread. Well, there you go, because all you're doing is you're basically, again, you're, if they pick something at random or a handful at random, and they're not checking as many places as you are, odds are you're gonna get a better price. You can exactly. charge on the spread and there's utility there. So that's, exactly. that's you know, you basically done, I, I commend you, you've done what you can to create a win-win proposition for everybody involved. Exactly. Good, so um, I'm taking it, you're probably getting some, you've, you've been funded more than once at this point, or is it still in your first or second round at this point? No, we've um, yeah. we've closed the around back in February. We mm -hmm. are actually uh, yeah. going through our second round now. We have a lead we're talking to, but I'll tell the Coinbase story to whoever wants to listen because <laughs> I, I, I truly believe in in what we're doing. I think we're doing things differently in a in a very exciting time and a very exciting sector. Uh, you know, uh, of the uh, sort of financial. Uh, so services or, you know. Oh, they ever uh, evolve. I mean, it's funny. We keep on using terms that exist that, that explain the current infrastructure, but this is something completely different and we never had terminology for yeah. it. So, you know, we'll fit we'll fit that into an old shoebox exactly. for now. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, I got to tell you, it's, um, you know, I've used several exchanges, several purchasing vehicles just to, you know, never with mm -hmm. extreme amounts, just to get an understanding for the different players in the market. And yeah, the one frustrating thing is like, oh, I just bought this. I want to transfer it. Oh, you want $50 to transfer it? Like, are you kidding me? No, like, it's, it's just wrong. It's, yeah, it's just exactly right. And I, I often make the statement that if you look at friction as a way to try to retain your customers, mm. as a, and you think that's a strategy, that's not a defensible position. You're mm. basically admitting you're a commodity. Mm. And you're basically, all you're going to do is find ways to piss off your clients, for lack of a better term, and they're going to look somewhere else, right? Yeah. You better believe that that exchange that basically wanted to charge me that much or almost 100% of whatever little blockchain, whatever Bitcoin I purchased to move it to a wallet, I'm never going to buy there again. Yeah, right. Exactly. So yeah. it makes perfect sense. So to date, I'm curious, how much, how many inquiries do you get about, like from, from first-time buyers who are just asking fundamental questions before they make their first purchase? Are you seeing any of that? Yeah, definitely a lot. We do have a lot of people that... Another thing we do is we have quite small uh, minimums to mm -hmm. actually uh, yeah, like fund, like fifty, 50 bucks, yeah, fifty yeah. bucks, which I think is, again, I think is actually the smallest in the market. And again, our our whole goal here is to get people dabbling in Bitcoin, dabbling in cryptocurrencies, and get them used to transacting or, or you know yep. or between fiat currencies and cryptocurrencies. And will Bitcoin be around in a year? Who knows? But it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. The fact that they're, you know, the blockchain is not going, the away not going anywhere. No. Its application to currency is not going anywhere. So our position is what's going to, you know, our our approach is what's going to make us last in this business. And that's why you're asking me, you know, what coins do we offer? Well, we only offer two now. Maybe we'll offer stable coin. Maybe we'll, yeah. you know, it just, like there's so many things that we can offer. But the fact that, you know, we provide a platform for people that are just getting into the space, I think is, is very valuable. And, and to that to that end, we have a lot of people that are just getting in because they they see the ease which they can do it, and definitely a lot of questions being asked, uh, you know, about wallets, about uh, you know uh, responsible, um, you know, safekeeping of cryptocurrencies in general. Question obviously that comes around uh, very often is you know what Bitcoin going to go up to, 
uh, that obviously nobody knows, yeah, but well, uh, you know, it's uh, great. It if, does I knew, come up. if I knew that, I wouldn't need mm. you. Yeah, I love that. It's like every time I have a client ask me what the market's going to do, it's like, look, buddy, if I was, if anyone was really that good yeah. at predicting that for sure, first of all, they wouldn't need any of us, and you know, they'd be the richest person ever. Another thing to concern yourself with, I mean, I think it's, I think, given your approach for being kind of a retail ease of use type platform. I think it is a smart move to limit yourself to the two most recognizable ones. Because I mean, I'm sure you've heard the statistics on on how many ICOs are are pretty much bankrupt at this point. I mean, I was at um, I was at a conference and there was someone presenting from I can't remember which university. That was uh, it was Caltech or something like that. And they basically were looking at ICO pricing and and what happened in the marketplace afterwards. And the average ICO fell. I think the average return on on ICO was positive, mm. but the that was the average. When you look at the median, it was negative sixty six percent. So you had a handful that just just ran for the you know for the gates, and yeah. then the rest of them just died. Yeah. And I think they basically said of the sixty six percent negative, more than almost two thirds of the total coin offering was basically they were all bankrupt, right? So yeah. you know you can imagine that, especially given the market you are basically appealing to. If you were to pursue any of those and people literally, you know, bought something today and lost it tomorrow, they'd be turned off for life. Yeah, but plus, I mean, look, the truth of the matter is a lot of these ICOs were raising money and they were doing so with no perspectives, with nothing. No, I mean, a white paper is not, I, I, people are like, oh, did you read the white paper? I'm like, do you realize that I could scribble on a napkin and that constitutes a white paper? Yeah. No one is out there reviewing these things. And this no. is one of those things that, you know, I always joke around with this stuff where I say, you know, I hear all these wonderful ideas and, you know, I'm like, that's great. And you love the fact that this is unregulated until everybody loses their money and a bunch of scams. And then exactly. guess what? The pitchforks come out exactly. and suddenly everybody calls for regulation. I'm actually quite surprised there hasn't been a greater call for regulation in Bitcoin, but I think maybe because the mass adoption wasn't as quite what we thought it was. Mm. But if you were looking at a much larger degree of adoption, you better believe that there would be Senate subcommittee hearings in the U.S. about what to do to regulate this space. Yeah. Right. So that is what it is. So can you talk, speak to the challenges that you, the largest challenges you incur, you encountered in uh, starting this company? Yeah. Oh Maybe boy. besides trying to open a bank account, because yeah, that was oh the boy. big Yeah, that, that was a big one for crypto, yeah. Challenges. Startup life in general is a challenge regardless of the industry that you're in. How many hours you work in a week? Uh, yeah, that's <laughs> what I was going to say. I mean, I pretty much don't do anything else but work. I mean, I work and I sleep. But and, you love it, and that's what matters. But, uh, exactly, exactly. But it's definitely, it's not, definitely not for the faint of heart. It's a dedication, and you know, I'm very fortunate now to, to be working with the uh, you know, a team that we put in place that's, you know, as dedicated as sort of the, the ownership group is and my business partners. But it's, uh, I think one of the biggest challenges is just to keep going when, when the going gets rough. Because it's very easy to, um, you know, when things are great, you know, everybody's knocking on, on the door and, and trying to uh, either offer you advice most of the time. Uh, you have no in idea. In exchange for shares. Yeah, in exchange yeah. for shares. You have no, I would no love idea your how board. many people walked in over the, you know, year and a half with an idea of what we can do. What can you do with crypto? And as in, as in, in the sense of like, this is what you should, this is what you guys should do. So in any case, because no one's ever thought of that before. Exactly, exactly. So in that sense, you know, it's it's just putting. Actually, you know, truth be told, I think the simple answer is putting a team in place that is truly dedicated and and truly um, in line with the vision that we have. And I think we did a good job doing that. But mm. I think that's probably the biggest challenge for a startup. I mean, getting from that place where you just. You know, you yourself and you know two or three co-founders, the true believers, yeah, the true believers, exactly. Lives, yep. To a place where you know we're now about fourteen people. That's been the, probably the biggest challenge. Yeah. And again, it doesn't really apply to crypto per se, 
but it, it is a challenge in a startup. Yeah, and you know, it always comes down to people, really, when it comes down to execution. And I tell you, some of the, some of the things that I, you know, some of the stories of the various exchanges or whatnot that have ramped up so bloody fast mm. that their numbers, like the hiring numbers I heard behind some of these places are just astronomical. And exactly. when you're that young, you haven't had the ability to build a company culture, right? Yeah. And there's a saying about company culture, how it's, it's you can, once you get to a certain size, you can't manage everybody. So unless you establish that and those become the default Mm. behaviors for people that anything can happen exactly. right and i'm sure you've heard some of the nightmare stories of some of these places but yeah, yeah. so it's a challenge but you know case in point it's actually interesting you know we have a, a you know potential investors talking about again crypto prices go up and down you know how does it affect your business this and the other and the one thing that i that i always try to bring home is that you're investing in a team because the team is what is going to be able to pivot when it needs to pivot, so, to offer new services when it needs to offer new services, to go into new territories, whether geographical or otherwise, when it needs to. So the team is probably the biggest asset yeah. that you could ever have. Well, everything is about execution, right? Ideas are wonderful, but lots of terrible, lots of wonderful ideas get never, get, never happen or fail miserably because execution fell apart and execution comes down to people. Exactly. Right, so it makes yeah. perfect sense. So two of the last questions I uh, wrap up with every time. Sure. So if you had one wish of something you could change in your company or the industry in general, what would it be? Oof, one wish, I wish you had the- Short of everybody having a wallet on their phone and, and tra yeah. trading more often. One wish I could change in the industry. In the industry, said whatever you like, whatever like. I think to me, it's funny you say short of everybody having a wallet, but I fully understand that I am neck deep in this. Mm -hmm. So I, I I understand that there's a huge mass of people out there that don't really know cryptocurrency, don't really care. But to it's me, not exactly the easiest thing in the world to explain. Yeah, yeah, but to me, knowing the potential mm -hmm. of um, the space we're in in changing society and changing people's lives for the better, whether it's making transactions easier, simpler, cheaper, faster, or the application of blockchain in general. But if we focus on the financial specifically, to me, if people could have a better appreciation understanding of what they're missing out on, that's the, that's the one thing I think I'd like to change. It's just for people, there's just so much potential oh, to improve the way people interact with, with currency, with finances than they currently have. It's just mind boggling. And Case in point, my previous startup, I was involved in international trade. And if you've ever tried to pay through a wire. You, you know, honestly, I know. <sighs> and you have, you know, you have a container waiting for customs to clear in whatever port. Yep. And you're waiting a day for a wire to clear or you wait an hour. Which one would you, would, you know? Oh, I know. I mean, it's embarrassing just how bad the, the payment infrastructure is in North America and developed in the West in general. Exactly. And it was interesting. There was a really good, I think it was Planet Money podcast where they examined why that was. And, you know, most of these systems date back to the 60s. And the reason some of them don't work on weekends is because the, the, the servers, for some reason, keep bankers hours. Mm. And there's resistance, at least in the U.S., I'm not sure about Canada, but I'm pretty sure it's probably the same thing, towards updating them because the banks have made, have started making so much money from the what they charge in fees to yep. manage the inefficiency that it's a massive revenue line, mm -hmm. right? So it's this ridiculous problem that no, it's going to take an outside solution like blockchain to basically put in place. And I agree with you. I, I can be skeptical of any one coin. I couldn't be any more bullish on blockchain because yeah. when it comes to ownership, there is no better solution. And frankly, we don't need a better one because it solves the problem. Exactly. So yeah, so I, I share that kind of wish, you know, in, to some degree. I mean, uh, we were introduced by Kyle Kemper, who was previously on the podcast when I spoke at the IFP conference. And one of the things I said in that in, in that 
speech was, you know, first of all, I, I, I always challenge the room every year to, you know, start playing with technology more. So the year before it was how many people have actually opened up a robo account in the entire yeah. room. I was the only one. I was mm. like, oh, dear God, please start, start <laughs> doing this. Right. Yeah. And I asked them again and it was more than one this time. Thank goodness. But I asked how many people had a, you know, ever downloaded a cryptocurrency and in a room of like 200 people, I think it was like three of us. Right. And it's just like, you know what people like, don't just sit there and just wonder about this stuff is, or be afraid of it. Yeah. Just go on something like Winberry, throw $50 in exactly. to experience it. And then guess what? Ask your friend to do the same thing and then just send money back and forth. Exactly. And see how much better the experience exactly. is than the nonsense we deal with currently. Right? Absolutely. You're absolutely, absolutely right. I mean, the ability to go around the world is in a heartbeat. It sounds so simple in this day and age and so it should be taken for granted, but it's so difficult and this solves it. So the last question I always wrap up, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on, the industry, your your company in general? Like what is it that gets you out of the bed in the morning to work these super long hours? That's a good question. I love creating value. That really excites me. I love when I, with my own hands, create a process or a product and I see people use it and gain value from that. I mean, that honestly is the answer the that, feedback that mechanism is exactly is that, yeah it's just being able to create something which which is useful to people which brings them value is there's nothing that beats that that rush and that, that's that's the real answer that's that's excellent really keeps me going well andre thank you very much for taking the time i hope everybody Thanks checks out uh, coinberry hopefully they go to an event where they also get free coin the free crypto like i did <laughs> it's gonna cost you well the same thing <laughs> whatever it is and uh yeah thanks again perfect so that was my interview with Andre Polyakov of Coinberry. I hope you enjoyed that. Please be sure to check out his site. And as I say to everybody, take the time to experiment with this stuff and understand it if you haven't already. It's not scary. 50 bucks is all it takes. I take no liability <laughs> for your losses or gains. And, uh, you know, relatively speaking, Bitcoin's a little bit cheaper now than it used to be, or hopefully, no, it might not be by the time this thing still airs. So as always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a message or please leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever it is you get your podcasts. And until next time, I'm Jason Pereira. Take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at fintechimpact.co.